Go ahead, I, Aaron. Call people stupid. Y'all are stupid. Who's y'all? Know. Who is y'all? Uh, the, the y'all. First of that, all, how dare you? Some, the y'all that Maverick is quote unquote soundboarding. I don't know. I actually saw an interesting idea that I hadn't considered that I think is a zero percent chance of happening, but would be a decent idea. Um, so wait, before we get so we, I guess we first need to do. I know no one that listens to this podcast lives under a rock, but we got to at least address the obvious. Rip Roy, he's that, still he's alive. Dead. The, the, mo- <laughs> the most cruelest on, April Fool's joke ever. Everyone happened. is posting on Twitter and shit like he's dead. He's alive. <laughs> so is our Lord and Savior. It at is the Easter. <laughs> it is hard for me as a Carolina fan who's very who's really only functional memory of Carolina basketball is Roy Williams. Same. I put that in my Facebook post. Like that, he, Roy Williams is Carolina basketball to me. That's old live noon since I've started following the team. It's Roy Williams. I've slowly learned about Dean Smith. I learned about Michael Jordan and all these other players and such. Uh, but really, it started with Roy for me. And so um, I think we, like our reaction on Thursday, because I think we were all trying to find just any kind of random April Fool's jokes to put in our group chat. And I think Aaron's the one that actually shared it because I saw it. Yeah. And then I saw Aaron share it and I, I immediately pressed it. I'm like, oh, let's go to the bottom of this article talking about all of his stats because it says after 33 seasons, he's retiring. I'm like, let's just scroll to the bottom here and let's find the April Fool's. And I didn't see it. I thought it was a joke until I saw uh, that um, Adam Lucas put out like a companion, like a, a an Adam Lucas article. And then I was like, okay, he wouldn't do that as a joke. I didn't think it was real until I saw that Schefter tweeted it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, until I, when I saw like Chapel Hill media people, like starting to tweet, like, this is not a joke. Like, yeah. Someone, on, someone commented on it that it was like happened, a good April fool's joke. And then Sherelle McMillan said, yeah, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, at that point, it had gotten to be like too many people for it to be an April Fool's joke. I was in a meeting um, right that started at 10 o'clock, which is when that tweet went out. Um, So I got to I was watching y'all freak out for my watch (laughs) for that first hour of shock. Um, I also got in trouble for not paying attention during that meeting. (laughs) I had a meeting with my boss at 11. I saw the news at 10.15 and I was like, how the heck am I going to have a meeting with my boss? <laughs> Luckily, I didn't have to go in until 1 o'clock. But like I said, I, I was selling myself the exact same thing. I'm like, how am I expected to do anything productive today? It was it was a shock, a big shock. I didn't see it coming. Not at all. I mean, I, I saw thought... it coming eventually, but I didn't see it coming now. Now. I mean, we had talked about on this podcast, like, who's going to replace Roy? How many more years do, does Roy left? Because I think we all, like, in the back of our heads knew that he wasn't going to coach forever. Like, that's not realistic. He's not and Anson Dorrance or Nick Saban. He's not going – so he's going to retire at some point. But I think, like, two or three years ago, some point was like, oh, so like five years from now, and then – two years ago it was oh five years from now and then one year ago it was five years from now and this year it was five years from now until it's 
He's always in the yeah. first year of a five-year contract, just like exactly. all the coaches are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense when you look at it from an outside perspective. It's just you never thought it was actually going to happen. Absolutely. Do we have any Roy Williams memories, personal memories anyone would like to share? I have one that's a real quick one. Uh, my first time in Chapel Hill for like a school visit for Project Uplift, I was unloading my car because we were staying the night, uh, me and my mom. And I saw Roy Williams drive down the car, drive down the road. It was like South Road in his um, Carolina blue car. And he saw me unloading the car. He like waved at me from his car. And I was like, oh, hey, that's Roy Williams waving at me, 16-year-old kid, uh, unloading his stuff for the first time in Carolina. And that was like my first time where I was like, I could be like a student here. And that wouldn't, that would just happen all the time, Roy Williams. I thought you were going to say you thought like I could be a basketball player. Absolutely. <laughs> Walking on to that moment. No, but that was... Like, my welcome to Carolina was Roy Williams waving to me as I was unloading my car, which is really cool. Um, I remember when I was a junior, so two years ago, and we were traveling for March Madness um, on the plane going home from Columbus. Um, wait, no, it was going to Columbus because on the way home, we were just wearing our pep band uniforms because it was right after the game. On the way to Columbus... Uh, Roy and I were wearing the same tie and he set, he sits in row 22 on the plane, or at least he did that year. And uh, the plane was inequally balanced. So some band kids had to move up and sit with the basketball team. I got to sit with Caleb Ellis. It was awesome. Um, But uh, I walk by him and we're wearing the same tie and he looks at me and he's like, nice tie. I'm like, thanks. (laughs) I have two, and one's kind of indirect, but doing the first one, uh, one of my favorites is the uh, during the national championship run in 2017, uh, we're in Memphis, Tennessee, and we're doing like they just it was actually just the practice day. It was just a media day, and we just had a short gig playing while they were doing their practice. And uh, Kennedy Meeks was just just <laughs> flinging them from the three point line, and we were just absolutely egging it on and kept agging him to shoot threes and he hit like three in a row if i remember um and then ultimately roy came over and got uh, mr fuchs attention and he came over to us he's like okay y'all um <laughs> if y'all do this during a game and he shoots a three and he misses it i'm taking your your ceiling roof goat shirt <laughs> that's really funny and then the second one um, that was a fun trip, by the way. Greenville was a super fun trip. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for those that know me, I have a couple of maverickisms. I, I tend to claim my student, Luke May, from my OL days. And then I also... You were an I OL? Claim, yeah. I also have my claim to fame that Roy went to my high school, T.C. Robertson, and his basketball coach, Buddy Baldwin, was my driver's ed teacher, who he mentioned in his press conference and who I know from my own experiences with Buddy that he does have an extremely close relationship to him. And Buddy Baldwin is one of the most monumental figures of my high school ever, just outside of basketball. Like he, he's been doing driver's ed for like the past 20 years. He's been basically teaching every, ever since 1963. 
for the school. Um, and so up until like the last four or five years, he was still you know, a monumental figure at my high school. And I'll just never forget my ninth grade year in high school, I was doing my driver's ed and he was teaching and we were all had to walk up this big building and we had this test that we had to study for. And then we were all getting nervous for it. And then he just like busts through the door. He's like, okay, guys, sorry, class is canceled today. The test is off. Roy got me tickets to the Duke game. And so I'm heading out right now. <laughs> Have a good day. And so just talk, hearing how grateful he was speaking of Coach Baldwin and what he did for him in his formative years at TC, you know, I was able to still see that, that aspect of the Carolina family with my own eyes and seeing that relationship. And I've been able to interact with Buddy because he literally brings him to every single NCAA tournament game that he can make it to. So I met him in New York uh, when we were at the ECC tournament game. I got to talk to him and meet with him. And then I was with him in Phoenix uh, for the uh, 2017 national championship. So again, having those kind of connections or something like has always been something important to me. He is That's definitely cool. going to be missed around Carolina. 33 seasons as a head coach since he got to Carolina it is hard to make an argument that another program was more successful than Carolina from 2003 to 2021. We were spoiled big time. Big time. Um, and, and I hope we are not about to get a big dose of reality <laughs> uh, come the next hire, but there is going to need to be a next hire. I'm hoping that they don't pull a Walker Kessler on me. And as soon as we hit upload on this episode, we have a new head coach, which makes all of this irrelevant. Uh, I think that we have five days before they announce it. Yeah, It's also, it's Easter Sunday. I mean, from what I've seen, it's been pretty radio silent today. I think everybody's taking a break after what the whirlwind has been last 48, 72 hours. Maverick is our insider. He's got the sources. My sources have actual sources. I figure, um, I figure we have a week or so. So I think we're good to speculate. Do y'all want to start with the most likely or least likely? I feel like we start with least likely. I would. I might even just start off by saying, like, maybe I think there's the two schools of thought, and then you can maybe go the favorites. From go there. for it. Well, I was sorry. Yeah, you can go. So I mean, essentially, it's coming down just to two schools of thought right now, um, and so I'm sure everybody is where we. Being as big of a program as Carolina is and replacing someone as iconic as Roy and you can count Guthridge and Matt Doherty, but really following up Dean Smith as well. I mean, you want to get a big name hire if you can uh, to lead the program going forward, especially with all the changes where um, there's been whispers that there, there a lot of things have been issues with Roy's quote unquote system, uh, among other things, also just the changing landscape of college basketball. So I think for the fans that see North Carolina as truly as one of the best programs in the country, you you want to go shoot for the moon for a type of a person you can get. So there goes the idea of just getting a, just the best coach that you can, one with marquee name and such uh, that can bring notoriety to the program going into the future. And then the second side is, and the more traditional side is, this is the Carolina family in the last several decades, it's all basically been in this one family and it's been a successful family. That's a family that has won most national championships in the last 18 years than any other program. And so 
you want the people that know that program, that know the Carolina family, that embrace the Carolina family, that's going to keep that same tradition, same culture going forward. So you have essentially guys that are marquee names that might not necessarily have a connection to the program, or you have Carolina family guys, but maybe have some unknowns with their coaching pedigree. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest difference between now and between when we hired Roy is that Roy was obviously the marquee hire who was also a part of the Carolina family. And I think that if we're looking at the two most likely candidates, they both have major pluses on that side of things, but they also both have minuses on that side of things. Um, so obviously the two most likely candidates, um, and like I have said, who I would be absolutely shocked if it's not one of the two of them are uh, Coach Hubert Davis and Wes Miller. Absolutely. By the way, are any of y'all getting like mafia vibes by how we and other people have been talking about the Carolina family? It's like it's got to <laughs> be within the family. Yeah. You come I mean... to me on the day of my coach's <laughs> retirement. And it's not even an necessarily an internal perspective. Uh, Andy Katz came out with the tweet yesterday saying that he he also felt that Hubert Davis was going to be the front runner when people were talking to national media guys and national kind of sources within the game of college basketball. A lot of them were saying it's just because it's the idea of, of how tight knit that family is and for an outside coaching or someone outside of that culture to come in. It's intimidating. I don't mm-hmm. care how how much pedigree you have. I don't know. How, I don't care how much success you've had. Being an outsider coming in, that's it's a it can be a pretty daunting thing. And so For it's sure. just the idea because they and there was all and a good point that was made is I think there has been a lot of trepidation to hire Carolina guys for other programs because they know that they they're waiting for this very moment where if Wes Miller took a, P- a power five job, that school would have been basically had the, on the back of their mind from day one that he was just waiting for this Carolina spot to open. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's definitely something I've been thinking about. Let's go ahead and talk about these two dudes. We'll start with Hubert Davis, uh, who is interested in the job, according to reports from Kier Luck. He does want to be the next head coach at Carolina he has these connections I think the huge thing is he has a connection to the current players yes he's and, sorry go on no go 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 I was gonna say yeah I think that he of the coaching staff is the best at relating to the players because he's the youngest he's the one who's played basketball at the highest level he played basketball at Carolina he's been our main recruiter for the past while And I think that on that side of things, he is without a doubt the best option. However, he's never been a head coach before. And to be fair, Roy had never been a head coach when he got hired at Kansas. Dean Smith had never been a head coach when he got hired at Carolina. I don't remember if Coach Gutt had ever been a head coach, but that's a different situation. Yeah, that's, I think, a good summary of it. And... I think it would be a good steadying force for the incoming class. I feel like had 
Coach Dave has not been very much in the running to get this job. We might have seen even more players leave from what I've heard. It seems like things are kind of settling down in that regard, which also makes me think is Coach Davis. The no head coaching experience thing is concerning. Um, Although, to be fair, uh, he has coached the JV team right. a number of times, which obviously is not nearly the same as coaching even a mid-major, let alone a power conference team, but it's still something. And in some respects, I would think it's probably harder than coaching um, some uh, more, one of the most talented group of 18 to 22-year-olds in the country. Uh, you probably have to dig a little bit deeper to get that same sort of uh, execution from a JV team. And I, I do think that that matters in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, kind of, just, like I said, just trying to be a soundboard, uh, getting all the certain things. Because on one hand, yes, Hubert Davis, I think, is the most familiar. He's been on this bench for nine years. And so he, he definitely has that connection with the guys. And he was definitely a, a lead recruiter in a lot of ways in the last couple of years. To some, that is more of a negative than a positive because, yes, he was the lead recruiter for the past few years, but we've had the worst two-year stretch of Carolina basketball in several decades due to the most recent recruiting classes. So there is a flip side to that. I mean, perhaps that can change when he can be able to come in and do his own vision and be, uh, can sell his program, his version of the program compared to Roy's. Cause there is also that thing where I think Roy has very much been a person that it's, it's, it's purely Roy's system and it's people that either support it or know how to execute it. Um, where I'm not sure if the CB McGrath, the uh, Brad Fredericks, the uh, Coach Robs, or the Hubert Davis has actually got to implement any facets of their system. Because again, I think they're all kind of at least basing it off of Dean Smith and Roy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the big thing is, and I think that's been a question that's asked in the interview already, is what kind of changes would Hubert implement into the system? Yeah. So I think that'll be remain to see if he gets higher Then obviously Bubba has heard something about what changes he wants to make that resonates. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a complete sidebar note because you brought up his name. Um, I haven't heard CB's name at all. Like granted, I don't think that he would be hired in this coaching search because he no. was not good at UNC dub, but do you think that he returns to the coaching staff? Um, because he's not anywhere right now. He wasn't anywhere this past season. My only thing I is think I'm, that he I'm, was one of our, like, he was a really, really, really great assistant coach. Oh, right? absolutely. Fantastic. He was like basically the lead strategist. Basically, yeah. he yeah. would do the, the scouting reports on other teams. Mm-hmm. I specifically remember in Phoenix, him just had his eyes glued on Gonzaga during their yeah. shoot around. Uh, and he had his clipboard out and he was observing everything they were doing in their shooting round. Yeah. I think that's the role that Coach Fred has taken over. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, I think that Coach Fred's fine. I also think that Coach Fred isn't as charismatic as yeah. CB. My my thought is is that there really isn't a spot. Yeah. For him. Well, I mean, if we if May. we make it, that's true. I mean, I think that Sean May is a different. He's a different official title. His working role may be similar. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, May hasn't been on the bench like CB is, but I think in terms of just sheer numbers, he to be essentially took that spot. So that's true. But I do think that I think that if we do hire Coach Davis, 
then in theory, a spot opens up for yeah. CB. Well, but I think I, what you're thinking is Coach Rob could potentially retire because he has been at the hip with Roy for the last year. Yes, year. So that's I think true. Strong. So I think that if if that's going to happen, that's where it's going to open up. That's true. It's not like he's not around. Like he's in Chapel Hill. He's he's been around the program because he was part of the um he was part of the Rapid Reactions po- uh, podcast. Um mm-hmm. helping out with that broadcast. So I think it would be great to have him back. I wonder if having him back would uh maybe change some of the things that we have been lacking in the past couple of years maybe that was a big part of what's changed at carolina uh i would be interested to see if he would be open to coming back to that position that's a good point i hadn't thought of um aaron is that we really haven't heard anything about cb um Um, yeah i mean i don't think given his performance at wilmington that he would be at all in contention for the head coaching job i think that if he had performed like Wes Miller has at UNC Greensboro, then he would be one of the front runners. Yeah. Let's talk about G. Let's talk about Wes Miller. Uh, I think that eventually Wes Miller will be the head coach of Tar Heels. I think that will happen someday, whether that's sometime in the next few weeks or maybe years down the line, but I do think it will eventually happen. Because, Mav, like you said, at some point, whenever this job opens up again and it's not Wes Miller and he hasn't had the job before, he will be one of the first people that Carolina calls and he will be interested. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, I think something that I hadn't looked at until three seconds ago was how old Wes Miller and how old Hubert Davis are. And Wes Miller is only 38, so he is essentially in the position that Roy was in when Roy left for Kansas where he has 15 years to coach at a major school and then still has 15 years. If 15 years later, he wanted to be Carolina's coach, because I think that I was thinking about things as if you're looking for your next forever coach, it's either coach Davis or it's Wes Miller. I hadn't really thought about the idea of coach Davis being your forever coach and Wes Miller being your next forever. And I think that's a real possibility. Yeah. I, and the the more I think about it, the more I I get close to that. I I do think that the the big thing is with Wes Miller, who I think very soon is probably going to have an opportunity at a P5 school Mm -hmm. uh, because he's had 20 win seasons at UNCG each of the last five years with, I think three NCAA tournament appearances, including this year, which was, um, of course, a COVID year, so he didn't have like the full slate of games. He still got the 20 wins. That- yeah, I think that he is, if he's not already at the top, he is, con- or at or near the top, he is very rapidly rising in like the best mid-major coaches that are in line for a top job or like for a big job. Yeah. I think purely from a, if, if you're, if the, one of the, priorities is getting a long-term situation if you were to hire Wes right now and and it just is a massive success from the get-go that's a potential 30-year spot because he could could be here for 30 years and he'd be two years younger than Roy is right I was gonna say he could coach us for as long as Dean Smith coached us 
Yeah. But on the other side of it, what, Hubert Davis is 50? Yeah, Hubert Davis. He could get hired and he could be a coach as like just like Roy was for 18 years yeah. and still be younger than Roy was right now. So Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think at the end of the day, in all likelihood, it's going to be one or the other. I don't necessarily <laughs> on paper, I emphasize on paper. I don't think that there's a wrong decision between the two of them. I I agree. I think that I but one thing I do want to say about um coach Davis is and I think that it's important is that he would be the first black head coach for Carolina. Yeah. I don't think it's a glaring thing that Carolina hasn't had a black head coach thus far. We've had a total of four head coaches since integration. <laughs> so it's not like And to be fair, a, sorry, yeah. go on. Yeah, it's not like we've had a bunch of chances to hire head coaches and we've just been like glancing over um, qualified black coaches. But I, I do think that it would be it would be cool. And I think it would be important um, yes, for Hubert to be the next head coach, especially because Carolina has had a history of having progressive basketball coaches like Dean Smith was a very influential figure in integrating a lot of Chapel Hill. Um, and Roy and, Williams has been North Carolina politics. In, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Roy Williams has always been very outspoken about politics. And so I think that that is like, yeah, I mean, I think that along those lines, coach Davis would be uh, relevant and an important hire. But I still keep looking at Wes Miller. I'm like, that could be a really good opportunity for Carolina. Yeah. Oh, man. I just keep going back and forth. But I do my head. And it's just the unknown of how they would handle. Because Wes has, has elevated UNCG's program quite literally and has started really getting some good talent into there. So what's going to happen when he already has that wealth of talent that a Carolina program could bring? Mm-hmm. So how could he continue to elevate that or at least keep it where it is um, for the first couple of years and such? And I guess the same would go for Hubert that knows these the guys that are currently on the team and being able to potentially lift them up. So I think that is something, um, again, that's big, one of the big unknowns, because if it does work, then that's, that's all we need. And that really checks, I think, probably the most important box, I think, for, I'd say, at least the majority of fans – coaches and people involved with the program and it's keeping it in the family. Yeah. So something to consider if we hire Wes Miller though, is what happens with coach Davis. Yeah. It's- because I think that he, from what I've read, he feels some sense of not necessarily entitlement, but like he deserves the job and what happens if he gets passed over. It's kind of a, it's kind of a bad look. Yeah. To, to not hire him. I think that's a, like Even I think if that it's if like a great situation with Wes Miller, it's kind of a bad look. Well, I was gonna say, like, does he stay with the program if we hire Wes Miller? Can you blame him if he leaves? No, absolutely not. Unfortunately, and I don't know if we can afford to lose him because, like I said, like he has been our lead recruiter. Um, and we've and I seen think that, what's happened to Duke since their lead recruiter left. Yeah, exactly. I think that these days a lead recruiter is invaluable to a program. So I think that coach Rob is very 
solidly in tier two to where if he is interested in the job, he will be a legitimate candidate. But something major has to happen with Coach Davis or and Wes Miller for him to have a legitimate chance. But if we say wanted one of Coach Davis or Wes Miller, but we're like, we need more time because we want them to have a chance at a major conference school, like as a head coach, then we could hire Coach Rob because if we hire Coach Rob, it will in all likelihood be a five-year max hire, just like Mac Brown with the football team. And so it's kind of holding you over until you have your guy ready. And I don't think that's something that we're going to do. I don't think it's something that we should necessarily do, but it's something worth considering as an option, I think. Yeah. Well, we're in the tier two, too, as well, um, talking about Coach Rob, where I think Wes and Hubert are 1A and 1B, and then Coach Rob is in tier two. I think the whole, the one other major tier two of the Carolina family that's worth mentioning just because there's reported that this person has interviewed for the position was Jerry Stackhouse, mm-hmm. head coach of Vanderbilt. Um, and I, I think I've heard that a lot of maybe Dean era players actually would prefer someone like Stackhouse. I believe it was Ed Cota posted uh, shortly after his retirement that he specifically endorsed or endorsed Jerry Stackhouse to become the coach. Um I still think he definitely deserved an interview to at least see how what the fit would be with the position. I think there's also just some unknowns there too. He is a head coach uh, in a power five school. It just so happens to be someone like Vanderbilt where basketball has just not ever been a prominent thing, I would say for a school like that. And so he, he did had a, a great amount of success in the NBA coaching the Toronto Raptors G league team. They won the G league championship and, they got a lot of guys up there that got contracts with the Raptors and then went back down to college. So you could probably speculate that he might have done that for this exact situation so that he could have college experience to be able to be in the running should uh, Roy ever retire. Uh, but he's definitely has struggled um, at Vanderbilt. Didn't, I believe Colby was saying that they've had six conference wins in two years. Again, it is Vanderbilt, but you'd still expect to see some – development and, and such in the players for maybe yeah. it's not necessarily all his fault, uh, but it is something that it can be worrisome. I know one thing think, at least piqued me a little bit was you hire Jerry Stackhouse and you put Rasheed Wallace and Jeff McKinnis on the bench and you reunite like the 95, 96 team. Yeah. I mean, I think that like CB, if Vanderbilt had been good the past two years, then Jerry Stackhouse would be a top tier candidate, especially with hires um, of past players like at Michigan and Georgetown, I believe, um, to where they've hired past players. And I think that that's a trend that's really going big these days because of AAU ball dominating the recruiting scene. Also um, known where fair, the art lies too. It's yes, a loyalty kind yes, of thing. So yes. you're not worried about their intentions because yeah. that's, that, that's probably their end goal. In, in coaching is to go back to their alma mater. Yeah. And I think that's something that is similar with coach Davis, but I, I, that's, I don't know. I don't know why we don't really, I mean, I guess I did say that with coach Davis, but why he's not put in that same conversation as Jawan Howard and Patrick Ewing and Jerry Stackhouse. I guess it's because he wasn't 
a superstar in the NBA. Not that any of them were necessarily superstars, but they were all very big names in the NBA. And I don't think that Hubert Davis is a name on that, that tier as a player. I don't know why he's one of the most efficient three-point shooters in NBA history. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. Like, I think that he was mostly a one-trick pony in the NBA. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. So, let's talk about some of the ones who were on the fringe that are like, uh, Moonshots. It's interesting to think about sort sort of candidates. Brad Stevens is probably... Of the long shots, it's the shortest long shot, I think. If we called and he said that and he didn't say no, I am interested to see what Carolina under Brad Stevens could look like. Yeah, absolutely. I would get on that 100%. And I mean, I feel like he's always been a pretty high character, high value character kind of guy. Um, Very calm demeanor. Um, perhaps that could upset some that he's not too terribly animated. Um, but Especially following Roy, who is the yeah. most animated. But also <laughs> calm, cool, and collected. I mean, he took a team like Butler to two national championship games. In a row? Once, yeah. And he won 77% of his games at Butler. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, he, he knows how to do it. And then, naturally, he just got the upgrade to the Boston Celtics and has – been very successful in NBA too. I think there's just a lot of factors that makes it work. You know he can coach in college basketball. Um, he and also being a head coach in the NBA, win this new era, he's going to know exactly what players need to do to be NBA ready. Um, so his feedback is going to be very valuable to recruits and people coming in. Um, and then also, I think he is at least someone that could grasp and, and understand the, the Carolina family environment. It just starts to get in the conversation. Then is this person doesn't have the ties to the program that a Hubert Davis would, a Wes Miller would have, uh, Jerry Stackhouse would have. So what would stop him from leaving if a higher contract came through or another NBA opportunity came back through? And also, mm-hmm. why would you leave an NBA spot, even if you're struggling, to go back down to college? In six seasons as Butler's head coach, he did not reach 25 wins once. And he had 22 that season. It's impressive. It's it's super impressive. And he might not. Ha- I don't think he's as far as being an NBA coach. He is probably, if not the best X's and O's coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there he's ever not scored off of a timeout in the NBA uh, in his defense. In but to NBA. be fair, that would be a very large departure from our current culture. <laughs> Which I think brings us to another name and that moonshot tier of Mark Few. Who, very notably last night, did not call a timeout. (laughs) It worked out. Yeah. It worked out. The Carolina move. Listen, I I think definitely if Mark Few wins tonight, uh, there's no way he leaves. I think I mean I think there's no way he leaves no matter what. I think maybe if he would have lost to UCLA uh last night, I think there would have been a chance that he might leave. Um but af- after that, I-, I don't think there's any way he could. Um he would never be allowed back in Spokane, Washington if he did. <laughs> yeah. Also, I feel like he he's definitely cut out his legacy at Gonzaga. And- yeah. 
I think he likes the Pacific Northwest and apparently he's like an avid fly fisherman. He likes all the, the lakes and fishing spots that, that Washington uh, has to offer and such. But I still think it's one you, you have to make the call. When, the, when a, this position comes open and for a program like North Carolina, you have the, the equity to be able to make that call and at least say, hey, we, we got to ask. You might say no and we'll go on our merry way, but we, we got to ask. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, who I think has recently said that he's not interested, uh, would have been Jay Wright at Villanova. I would have taken him. I would have been fine with that. That's fine. Um, he's not going to leave Villanova, and that's okay. And that's and that's the same sentiment for all of these, where, again, we don't have the same kind of emotional connection that I, I think the other three have. So if they say no, um, then cool. Uh, I just think they're – there are a lot of fans that I think are coming to the sobering reality that just because you're a high profile coach and just because we're North Carolina doesn't mean people want to come to us. And I think people are going to get really upset when it's finally coach K's turn. Cause I, I just feel like it might be a different story for Duke. And I think that's going to upset people. I don't, I don't know if that's true. I, because with the coach that we've named Jay Wright has, no reason to ever leave Villanova and Mark few has no reason to ever leave Gonzaga. I think even if the Duke job opened up um, as that car very loudly revs away (laughs) in my apartment complex. uh, I think that if coach K's job opened up tomorrow, I don't think they would leave Gonzaga and Villanova. I, I don't, I could see Mark. I could see Brad Stevens leaving for Duke. Um, I can lie for Duke and not for us. And so, and that's why I think that's that's what makes people upset is that in their minds they, and I'm not saying that Mark Few or Jay Wright would go to Duke either. I'm just saying it's going to. I think it's going to be a much bigger national story when K retires. Well, yeah, because I think that Coach K is Duke basketball, just like how Dean Smith was North Carolina. Well, not um, particularly that even. I'm just saying the amount of people that they're going to report that's interested in the job and that's dying oh, for it yeah. is going to be so much greater than Carolina where on again, on paper, you're looking at our list. And when it comes to realistic choices on paper from outside looking in, it seems a little underwhelming. Whereas I feel like every single basically NCAA tournament coach caliber is probably going to have their name mentioned with Duke. And I think that's going to upset some people because they want that same kind of attention to North Carolina. But I think we're I do not think it ultimately comes down to a different, it, it, we're just a different program. I was going to say, I think it's a different culture. I think that we probably, I mean, like we talked about, like I think that the Carolina family is a much more exclusive um, criteria than Duke has because Duke is Coach K. And let's Coach K is Duke. The Carolina family, it's insular. It's a little snooty. It's a little like it's a little like hoity-toity. But I I don't think I would trade it for for anything else. I, yeah. I like our little family little as we've won three championships in the past 18 years. Uh, but I like that it's just it's us and it's always kind of been us. Mm-hmm. 
anyway, if that's how you feel, we aren't Duke. Don't try to be like Duke. That's just general advice. Don't try to be like Duke. Also a name that, I mean, I guess, that, like, there's no chance that we get him, but a name that we haven't brought up at all that I think is also in the moonshot category is Tony Bennett. No, I, I that's one that I have refused to acknowledge just because I do think that that one's just way out there. That's an inner conference. Yeah, kind of yeah. I mean, I think that that's what I mean. Yeah, that's probably why it would never happen. Like, I think the only inner conference right now is probably Capel at Duke. Um, and I think that that's like one that would be expected. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that. Ooh. Uh, I think, think yeah, I think he, that the, the three like moonshot of all moonshot names that are never ever going to happen are Tony Bennett, um, Bill Self, and Rick Patino. <laughs> I saw people talking about Rick Patino. It's like, I was like, I really why? want that around our program. Is that the why? vibe y'all want? <laughs> We're going to turn freaking Dean Dome into like his castle. He's going to have his coffin next to the <laughs> Papa John will start <laughs> going to Carolina games. Good lord, the Papa. The Dean Dome brought to you, presented by Papa John. <laughs> Instead of biscuits, when we score 100 points, you get a free pizza. Give out the little pepperoncinis. Oh. The- they have the best pepperoncinis, by the way. They have no, the garlic dip is where it's at. I don't care about the pepperoncinis. Yeah, the garlic dip because the pizza is flavorless otherwise. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, really quickly before we get out of here, um, I be- think I'm going to get this up tomorrow. I'm off tomorrow. I have nothing better to do. So it's <laughs> up tomorrow. Um, Aaron, Baylor or Gonzaga? Uh, Gonzaga. Math. Gonzaga. David, not here. Um, tweet and ask. Oh, yeah. Me. David's not here. <laughs> oh, yeah. David's not here. Um, he is enjoying his spring break um, with his fiance, as he should be. Mm-hmm. So. What do you think, Colby? I'm picking. I don't know. Gonzaga. Here's the thing. Gonzaga did the thing yesterday where um they looked bored for the entire first half um and sloppy, and I don't think that they can get away with the game they played yesterday against Baylor. And they kind of played that game against BYU in the and, yeah. Yeah, the WCC championship game, uh, at least for the first half. And uh, Baylor was giving it to him in that first half. Uh, BYU. BYU, yeah, yeah. BYU was giving it to him that first half. I don't think Gonzaga's going to have two games like that in a row. I think Gonzaga's finally going to win their first national championship, but it will be very funny if they don't. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like – I just don't see how you lose after winning the way you did last night. Yeah, that's kind of like the Oregon tip outs, right? There. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like it's like the Luke shot, and it's like the Oregon tip outs. Yeah, it's at this point, it's uh, it's meant to be. So. Yeah, exactly. Alrighty, maybe next time we talk, we'll have a new head coach. I kind of doubt it, but we'll see. I think I, we will. I think we will. Every, everything, all the reporters and such have said they expect it to be a seven to 10 day process. So between Thursday and Saturday. Yeah. Well, because I think that it's got to be a sense of urgency because you basically have to re recruit the whole roster and you have to recruit transfers. And time is of the essence with those. 